welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today is a show that I could not be more excited about. I have been wanting and waiting to have a quantum physicist on the show for quite some time who can also talk to me about consciousness and spirituality. And I have theoretical quantum physicist, Dr. Amit Gaswani on the show today. Dr. Gaswani is a revolutionary amongst a growing body of renegade scientists who in recent years has ventured into the domain of the spiritual in an attempt to both interpret the seemingly inexplicable findings of curious experiments and to validate intuitions about the existence of a spiritual dimension of life. A prolific writer, teacher, and visionary, Dr. Goswami was a physics professor at the University of Oregon from 1968 to 1997. He has appeared in the movies What the Bleep Do We Know?, Dalai Lama Renaissance, as well as the award-winning documentary, The Quantum Activist. His new book, The Quantum Brain, is out now. Welcome, Dr. Gaswani. Anyone else feel like they were shot out of a cannon this month? I certainly do. It feels like everything has just taken off. And so I'm excited to share that the rest of the year has got great content and 2022 is already shaping up to be incredible. So if you want to know what's coming and what I've got planned for you, please go ahead and sign up for my newsletter. It is actually the thing that's fallen to the bottom of everything I do, unfortunately, but I am going to make it come back. So as a busy mom of three, um, I have had to prioritize some things and the podcast always gets priority over everything else. So if you haven't signed up for my newsletter yet, you can do that on my website, dramyrobbins.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and you can link there. Uh, Also, if you could support the podcast, that would be fantastic. You can go to patreon.com, any sort of you just put in my name. Any sort of financial support is so, so appreciated right now as I'm really ramping up with some great guests into 2022. And I want to sort of elevate my listener experience overall. And one way I'm doing that is on Fireside. So if you have not joined me on Fireside yet, I know I've seen a few of you over there. Maybe you're kind of hiding in the background, but you can be on the show and ask questions of my guests, which is amazing. All my shows are on Thursdays. They are live. Time kind of varies depending on uh, where my guests are, but generally between 12 and 2. So you can have lunch with me if you're back at the office and having lunch. I would love to see some of you over there. It's a great platform. It's fun to be interactive and to to hear all of you and hear your questions um, also follow me on Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins, and I think that just about covers it. So here is this month's episodes. Before we dive into spiritual topics, can you give me some of the hard science of quantum physics and what the basics are of it? This is the blessing because um, quantum physics can be understood by uh, any person, you don't have to be a mathematical expert for understanding quantum physics. And this is why I have written about quantum physics with complete authority without uh, ever using any mathematical formulas. 
and um, you know this is the this is the best part of the story because quantum science as it develops under consciousness the interpretation the meaning the worldview quantum physics gives those things become important the psychological implication of having a science of consciousness what it does for health what it says for our society um, all these questions can be asked and answered very satisfactorily and over the years i have produced a whole gamut of applications of quantum physics to so all the human problems that you can think of or most of them anyway so can you can you then like break down for me exactly i guess how everything in the quantum world works cuz i know in your book you talk about um something is only i'm going to botch this but like it's quantum because we see it and when we see it it changes or like i i guess how does this all work i'm scratching my head the difference between quantum objects and the objects that we see in the macro world of matter is uh, quite simple uh, the difference is that quantum objects in their suchness are really waves waves of possibility when consciousness chooses they become experiences now this is for everything but in the macro material world something uh, happens in the sense that the, the uh, objects are still waves of possibility but they move very slowly and because of that slow movement we can assume that the quantum effect is negligible correct and because the quantum effects are negligible they become as if they are newtonian objects they are not moving at all you know we see them as stationary because uh, they are moving extremely slowly how extremely 10 to the minus 17 centimeters in a second that kind of slowly so we cannot really gauge it in any normal amount of time that they are moving so we think we see them as stationary and that's we can share about them with other people that's how we develop a consensus reality and of course uh, that is the newtonian reality that newton discovered hundreds of years ago but that reality is not really correct because all objects ultimately are quantum objects and because they are without consciousness we can completely completely assure people that there is nothing in the world until we see them until we experience them our experiences may create a fallacious notion about reality so okay, okay. so there's waves of possibilities there are right? waves like, of possibilities so this is so i guess i'm trying to understand so this is sort of the concept of quantum is that there are multiple waves So how does this apply in life? Like how do we take quantum physics and apply it into everyday life? Well, this is the this is the crucial question. This is the crucial question and you have to um, be uh, patient and hear 
the evidence about it that these experiences that I'll talk about, they are quantum, easily verified. So quantum objects, they are waves of possibility, and quantum objects have some additional characteristics that are very special. That Newtonian objects are uh, uh, almost, uh, in Newtonian objects, they're almost hidden. It really, they are not possible to activate. Um, so they are they are hidden for all practical purposes. These aspects are called, uh, first of all, non-locality, very important aspect of a quantum object. What does it mean? It means that if two quantum objects are correlated, that's a technical word, or entangled, that's another technical word, and that means that they have interacted and have become one thing. Whatever there is all the information that are shared between the two parts. Even if the two separate parts really become spatially separate, like they even, they, even if they move galaxies apart, if they're correlated objects, then that correlation will enable them to communicate instantly without exchange of signals going through space and time. Okay, this is so called non-locality. Okay, so let me make sure I understand. So the non-locality concept is that you and I are not in the same place, but we can still communicate with one another. Yeah, so we have that capacity, but usually we, sup we suppress it because of our conditioning. So, so can you explain, you, you touched on, so we've got the concept of non-locality, which is important, an important concept in quantum physics. What is quantum entanglement? You mentioned this, but can you dig a, dig a little deeper into that and explain quantum entanglement? Okay, so why do we call it entanglement? Because when uh, I correlate with you or two objects correlate with each other, they have the capacity of instant communication, communication without using signal. And instant communication means that they have become one. So they are entangled to become one. And this is a very special condition that tells us about our own state of consciousness, which is oneness. So in that state, you and I can become one, or any two objects can become one. What is that state? That's the domain of potentiality, where objects are objects of possibility. So what it shows is that the domain of potentiality is a domain of potential unity. This is where it connects with mysticism. This is where it connects with spirituality. This is where we say that, okay, so we are having a spiritual communion. That word communion, come, union, come is together, union is union. So communion, we are having a togetherness that is beyond signal exchange. We have, have a at once signalless togetherness. We have a spontaneous, non-local togetherness, oneness. So this is what mystics always have uh, said consciousness is. It's ultimately oneness, the source of all our ego consciousness. And so this is how um, quantum physics uh, makes uh, contact with spirituality, in fact, integrates science and spirituality. So it's the concept of, of quantum entanglement 
that integrates the science and the spirituality. That's where the two really come together. Yes, the concept of quantum entanglement, quantum correlation, that's the other word, they are the vital concepts. Uh, They introduce us to the concept of non-locality, which is the basis of all the quantum science that we have developed, the basis that consciousness is fundamental, consciousness is the basic ground of all being, these are all the concepts of this non concept derived from this non locality experimentally verified first with a space experiment uh, in France in 1982, and of course by mystics in experience, mystical experiences 7,000 years ago, starting with India and then spreading to all kinds of places China, Greece, Middle East, and perhaps the Americas in the hands of the shamans and many other cultures unbeknownst to us. So take me back a little to this notion of waves and particles. So so physicists were studying particles or waves and noticed the collapse. I could be totally off here on this question too. Well, the, the problem, of course, is that, you know, this, um, there are two problems here. One is that we can stay with the particle aspect and not care much about the wave aspect. And this is, this is when we become Newtonian. Then we can forget about the wave aspect. Wave aspect is when we are open to potentialities. And this is where another concept comes in, which is very, very, very important, equally important to uh, non-locality, because thought investigating non-locality, we need this concept. The non-local consciousness cannot be accessed in a continuous way from the local consciousness that we have, which only recognizes particles, the manifest objects. So from that to go into the unmanifest, what I have to do is to make what technically we call quantum leap. An abrupt, discontinuous transition from my present state of consciousness, ego state, into that quantum state, which is that state of potential unity for all of us. And this discontinuous transition, quantum leap, when electrons make a transition from one atomic orbit to another, they never go through the intervening space. So for ah, thought, okay. it would be like never going through any algorithm. We always said, know the answer. We don't know how I know the answer, but I know the answer. But I didn't do it through algorithm or through logic. I just did it. That's called, of course, intuition. So mm-hmm. this intuitive knowledge is reached by a discontinuous transition from our usual way of getting knowledge, local means, to non-local means of going knowledge. Because it involves discontinuity, most people are sort of not accessing it. Most people are oblivious of it. Scientists are creative people. They do access it, but they are too stubborn to acknowledge it. Most scientists (laughs) have quantum leaps, and they know that this cannot be explained by Newtonian physics. This cannot be explained by conventional interpretation of quantum physics. Gotcha. So so this, this notion of quantum leap is really about intuition. You knew something, but you're not sure how you knew it. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. So this is why we call them discovery. You knew something, you had a vague notions about it, because ordinarily intuitions are very 
fleeting experiences. This is why Jesus said in his teachings that uh, seek and you shall find. And then when we uh, further go into it, that's the creative process, we end up taking this quantum leap to an insight. That's a special intuition that comes with enough duration, enough stability for me to know the answer in a way that I can verbalize, I can communicate. I can communicate with concepts. And that's that's one step further from intuition. That's insight. Yeah, that distinction so, of insight and intuition is very important. Insight is also intuition, but it is the intuition at a much more steady, stable level. So stable, enough stable, that I can form a mental picture. At the same time, I may even get a vital uh, feeling in my uh, stomach, uh, telling me the accuracy of the, confirming the accuracy of the uh, knowledge that I have just gathered, the fact that it is true. So this gut feeling that it is true or a feeling in the heart usually accompanies the quantum leap of insight. And this is why uh, we uh, emphasize very much that, look, if you are purely intellectual, they will be very difficult, these intuitions and insights. But if you open your heart and be open to feelings in the body, then they are easy to detect because the thought will be simultaneously accompanied by a feeling in the gut. And those feelings are so compelling, so convinced that you know that you have seen truth much. So this is the problem of communicating uh, to even uh, top-notch scientists uh, who uh, misconstrue their experience. Like Freud, for example, he talks about uh, infantile helplessness when talking about oceanic feelings that he got quite a few times. Mm -hmm. He says oceanic feeling must be infantile helplessness. How else can it be? Can it be explained? Because to him, to think of consciousness that way, non-locally connectable, one consciousness engulfing all, unthinkable. Freud was a materialist at heart. So you see, your worldview uh, cancels out your actual experience. This is what the mystics, spiritual people call ignorance, spiritual mm -hmm. ignorance. A stubbornness develops that seeing is believing. What I see in a permanent way, that's the only reality I can trust. I cannot trust any other reality. When quantum physics was first founded, the founding fathers were constantly marveling, oh, how different quantum objects are. They really are giving us a different pictures of reality. But very soon the pragmatists won the battle and rejected all these uh, different uh, difference of worldviews that quantum physics uh, leads us to. They're uh, stubbornly holding on to the uh, materialist Newtonian worldview. And, uh, you know, they cannot be blamed because they don't experience that that reality the way um, I do, you do, uh, people who are listening to these words, they do too, that's why they're curious. But that's only, according to some estimates, only 15% of world's population. The other 85% have chosen to be ignorant. And what can be done about it except education? We can uh, do podcasts like this or at a deeper level, uh, develop programs. We have them now, master's PhD, we can do that. We can do uh, intensive education. 
and then it depends on uh, slowly uh, uh, changing the worldview by encouraging people to meditate, encouraging people to be creative, encouraging people to love others, etc. Spiritual traditions have been doing that, but at a much smaller scale. We have to do that at a bigger scale. And gradually these things are happening. You know, your show is about uh, past life and reincarnation about these things and, and reincarnation provides us more than one opportunity to take a crack at these discoveries. Take yeah. a crack at these quantum leaps and non-locality what that reveals. And eventually we find the truth. So 15% right now, but in another um, few decades it may be much more. And so eventually the worldview will change. It took 100 years to change from um, uh, art-centered view to solar-centered view that um, Copernicus proposed uh, back when. And, um, you know, why should we expect anything uh, better than that? It has been only, you know, I discovered the whole thing, published it only in 1989, 1993. So it has been around only about three decades. And that's not enough. Another seven decades probably will be enough. Be enough. <laughs> well, we'll have to come back that time around, right? <laughs> yes. So this is where we have the choice of the quantum possibilities. We can choose. This is where we become. We have to become. Okay, can I change this behavior of the brain? Brain is usually the boss of people. But we can become the boss, but we have to work, we have to meditate, we have to learn creativity, we have to take in charge of this brain's automatic uh, response that we succumb to. We don't have to succumb to the brain so automatically, but that requires awareness. How do we get awareness? Meditate, meditate, meditate. That's the answer that all spiritual traditions have always given. And quantum physics is now confirming it. They are, there is just no other way. And quantum physics had added something else. You meditate on it, learn concentrate, learn focusing, but you also have to learn relaxing. So it's a sort of, I call it, do, be, do, be, do. Oh, do, be, do, uh, be, do. That's a thanks, thanks enough, a jingle, you must have heard it. <laughs> I've do, not. Be, do, be, do. Oh. Like, right? do, be, do, like, do, be, do, be, do, that. Yeah. Okay, it's that jingle. So that is just a fun way of putting the fact that the creative process consists both of concentrating, focusing on a problem, focusing on a thought, hold that attention that I was talking about. But in addition, it also requires the unconscious to come in and the way to invite the unconscious is to relax. Focus and then relax. Don't bother about the thing you are focusing on all the time, consciously. But of course, you maintain the focus, but in a relaxed way. Relaxation can be music, relaxation can be uh, reading a novel, relaxation can be going to take a bath, you know, that kind of relaxation. And when unconscious enters the picture, then not only can you process those few things that you can focus on, things that you can imagine, but also all these uncollapsed, previously uncollapsed possibilities, previously non-manifest possibilities that were never manifested before, infinite possibilities of consciousness, open subconscious, where you are not separate from the oneness 
with consciousness, oneness with everything. Seeing the thing that was always there, but you never knew about it, so it's new to you. And this is how creative insights come to us. Say, oh, honey, I have wonderful idea. I'm quoting Einstein, who was exuberant after he discovered relativity and told his wife. So, you know, we want to immediately share it with others because when that idea comes, consciousness expands so much that we want to tell other people, share with me, share with me, share with me my joy of right. finding this new insight. So, and I love what you talk about in the book because you talk about this, this for me was sort of a light bulb about um, unconscious and subconscious. And then we can be unconscious and completely unaware. Um, and so the process is not just becoming conscious, but also becoming aware. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Amy, you got the right word. What is awareness? Awareness is a uh, two-pole uh, reality. Uh, my, I see myself as I, a subject, grammatically speaking, looking at an object. So I, when consciousness is not split this way, when there is no split in consciousness, so all objects are possibilities of consciousness to choose from. This is what unconscious is about. But in ordinary unconscious, we condition possibilities, they dominate. Conditioned possibility and unconditioned possibility, what's the difference? Conditioned possibilities, the range to choose from reduces. Such as I can still go to an ice cream shop and choose the range uh, from vanilla to chocolate to whatever I like. But it's a very limited choice, right? So mm -hmm. this is what I mean by conditioned possibility. Choice has become limited. Whereas the unconditioned possibility, that's when we become creative. This is why we need to meditate. This is why we need to expand. This is why we need to be inspired. That expansion of consciousness is often called inspiration. And that inspiration is very basic to creativity. So can you can you explain to me? Um, am I saying his name right? Jacobo, Jacobo Grinberg's work that you and he did together, and how it explained the existence of God. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know that was a spiritual experience when I saw before my own eyes uh, the entire experiment. Uh, and um, uh, participated in it in the sense of being a keen observer of everything. So, so how does this prove the existence of God? So this proves that the meditation is correlating to people and causing a non-local transfer of electrical activity from one brain to the other. And the reason that we are very excited is, uh, as I explained earlier, this suggests that the two objects are non-locally correlated. They're exchange, exchanging physical measurable information this time, not just mental thought. So this cannot be debated easily. And indeed, uh, transfer potential has been replicated now in 25 different laboratories. And so uh, nobody debates them anymore. People have to deal with it. Of course, one way of dealing with it is just to ignore them, and this is what 
most scientists do. But Why do you think that traditional scientists or maybe perhaps even traditional quantum physicists uh, ignore this this research and pay no attention to it? Well, you know, prejudices are very hard to uh, let go. Uh, even for great scientists, I have seen a few great scientists, you know, um, just a few months ago, a uh, colleague of mine at the University of Oregon, uh, very respected high energy physicist. I never thought that he would support my work, but recently he wrote to me that I have changed. He's now age um, uh, nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can imagine that old age has to do something with it. Um, uh, he, after retirement, people have a lot of time to think about things. And when they think about things, uh, then they change their mind very easily. Also, they don't have to maintain a facade. That pressure is relentless. If you are in the academe, the pressure from the establishment not to recognize anything of ESP is official position of the American Physical Society. You cannot publish anything that mentions ESP, and, and and this is so binding to scientists that they don't dare to publicly support anything such as consciousness, the ground of being, or non-locality can invade us. It happens to us. You know, I have spoken at places like Princeton, but in the Department of Religious Science. That's the only department that can be open to such heresy in the minds of most of the establishment scientists. It's very rigid. Huh. Even though science explains this, religion is the only people who are open to really embracing it. So, um, a few more questions. What what does ego me versus quantum I mean? This is the ultimate problem of why we cannot experience reality in suchness so easily. This is, brain is built like that. And brain has been created over millions, millions of years of evolution. And this is the problem. In all those years of evolution, brain has picked up enormous amount of conditioning. And those conditioned circuits in our brain drive us in a way that clouds our experience. So is is that sort of where the collapse happens and we're trying to expand the collapse to not collapse the me into the I, but keep them separate? Yeah, so so what happens is that the I becomes mixed with me in the ordinary experience, whereas the, the more present centered we become, the brain has this pre-conscious twilight zone between I, me, and the real I, no me. You think of the real I as no me. So I, me, at one end, and no me at the other end, the no me is open to us. We can get into that state. But of course, you have to maintain a life, lifestyle, which is conducive to this kind of uh, present centeredness. How do we do that? We surround ourselves with things of love, things of beauty, relationships, 
of uh, positivity uh, and not pay attention to all the negativity of the world that goes on. Too much watching news, too much uh, watching lies, too much association with politicians, too much association with social discordance, too much association with uh, materialist concepts. These are all extremely corrupting influence on the mind of today's people. Yeah, so, so is that sort of how we begin to create our reality in the quantum realm? Like all yeah, of the things you just said. what we want to know. Seven I answer. Uh, you start with inspiration, and then you make an intention. Intention that, yes, you want to know reality. That okay. kind of intention. Or specific, I want to know love, or I want to know beauty that kind of specific, but these archetypes, these uh, things that are meaningful. So in, the intention is always about these archetypes, the values, love, okay. beauty, justice, truth, wholeness, abundance, power, um, uh, goodness, self, nine archetypes. So, and then you move on, you be silent, and you look for intuition. Three eyes, okay. right? And then... Do be, do be, do. Do is another eye, imagination, that takes you to the near, new realm of possibility. And then D, which is incubation, that image of a bird sitting on an egg. And then that quantum leap, insight. And the final eye is manifesting your insight. We call it implementation. Implementation of your insight into a product. The product can be you. So but seven, seven eyes. Can I mean, I'm sorry, Amy, but you know, people want to manifest cars and, and houses and those things that are conditioned things you can manifest by only by the usual means, not this quantum means. Mm. Can you explain that? Can you set, Can you parse those two out? So you can manifest, you could manifest a car, but not through the quantum Realm? You could manifest a car not to a point. I mean, you could manifest a car very easily if you have money. You just go to a car lot and pick up a car and buy it. Or you could manifest a car if somebody gives you a car. Now, there are ways, but you cannot manifest a car just by sitting down and do we do we do just meditate periodically with relaxation. No, that way is only for quantum archetypes. Could you manifest a car? If if the reason for you manifesting the car was because you needed a car because you were running a charitable organization and part of the charitable organization required that you were able to transport certain goods from here to there, does, could you manifest that car um, because now the manifestation has the archetypes and virtues behind it versus I want to manifest a car because I want to look great in front of my friends. That's a very, very good question, but um, that's exactly the point. You never intend for the car directly, and, and that was com compatible with the archetypes, and so that has no problem. Infinite potentiality kind of thing that consciousness likes. Mm. without any condition. Well, Dr. Gaswani, I want to open it up for questions. We have a bunch of people here. Um, and so if any, first of all, thank you so much. I have, I still have more questions, but I've already taken up 
a lot of your time. And so I want to make sure to open it up on Fireside for questions anybody might have about anything that you've shared today or said today and your brilliance. Um, but before we do that, your new book out is called The Quantum Brain. Um, I'm going to uh, post all of this in my show notes, but where can people find you if they're curious and want to learn more about what you're doing or take your master's and PhD class and or your master's and PhD program in quantum physics? Or Okay, so the um, best thing I can suggest uh, is to check my website, uh, which is Amit Goswami, one word, dot O-R-G, uh, and that has all the details of the master's and PhD programs. It is fully affiliated with a university in India, which is fully government affiliated. So our degrees are fully government affiliated, like all uh, degrees in India. Um, uh, the other thing I want to say that it is we are a department of quantum science in health, prosperity, and happiness mm -hmm. at the University of Technology in Joyful prefer that people understand with all three prongs, theory, experiment, and experience. No dogmas are allowed. That is the only <laughs> Leave your dogma at the door. <laughs> right. So, Leave the dogma at the door. Beautifully put. Um, but thank you so much for your time today, for joining us, for your wisdom, for your insights, for helping to, I think I, I definitely get quantum physics a little bit better than I did before we started, although I'm still, I think great. I still need I'm to done. dig in a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you, okay. every, everybody, Goodbye. for listening. You, okay, thank you. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. <laughs>